Hey folks, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you've been listening to the Whitfield Report for a while and you're starting to think to yourself, hey, you know what? I could do this podcast thing, but where the hell do I start? Well, folks, I've had a lot of friends ask me that in the last few weeks, and I'm here to tell you all that Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. This means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. You're damn right that's what I'm doing. And what I like about Anchor is that whether you're a novice or an expert, it's incredibly easy to use. They have uh, great tools that you can use to record and edit your podcast if you're a novice just starting out. Or if you're like me and you're an old pro at this, you can bring your own tools and record your audio and then upload the files yourselves. Whichever way you podcast, it's extremely easy to use Anchor, and I highly recommend them. So get started today by going to anchor.fm forward slash start. And I can't wait to hear your podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Now go out there and make some podcasts. And hello folks, welcome to the Whitfield Report. I am your host, Sam Whitfield. And as usual, I can be found at all the usual places online. Twitter at somebody underscore NGC, hashtag WA uh, podcast or Whitfield Report podcast. You can find my website at thesamwhitfield.com. Follow me on Medium. Facebook, Instagram, all that lovely jazz. And for today's episode, slash tonight's episode, slash whenever you're listening to this, I'd like to talk about the Antifa anti-Trump protests, in air quotes, that took place over Easter weekend, because I have some thoughts about that. And then, in addition to talking about the anti-Trump protests that happened in Berkeley and Austin, Texas, across the country, I'd also like to talk with you a bit about citizen journalism and, honestly, conservative activism, because those are two topics that I've been talking about 
a lot on not only this podcast, but also in groups that I'm involved in on Facebook. Um, and so I'd like to kind of take this opportunity on this podcast to kind of uh, give my whole approach to activism and citizen journalism and give some thoughts about where we're headed. And uh, forgive me, but I'm recording this episode kind of on a whim, and um, I really didn't have any outline or show notes um, beforehand, so I'm just kind of going to uh, add a lib and record this podcast as I go, so uh, bear with me. Hopefully I'll make uh, sense somewhat, but I, I guess I should start off, for those of you who don't know, there were two big protests over the Easter weekend, um, on Saturday, anti-Trump rallies, the biggest one, I believe, was in Berkeley, California, go figure, Berkeley's a left-wing uh, crap hole. We all know that. And apparently these Antifa jerks or an- or Antifags as uh, my friend James Elsup likes to call them. Um, they were saying that they want Trump's tax records again. Which... Honestly, I mean, I know they're stupid. You know, they're funded by George Soros. I get that they're under his mind control. But honestly, dummies, even when Ra- when Rachel Maddow at MSNBC looks at Trump's tax returns and says that they're legit, and yet you guys are still complaining... Maybe it's time to get an, a new hobby or something like that. Okay? Just maybe. But then again, these are Antifa freaks, Antifags, whatever you want to call them. So, they're stupid. And and by the way, full full disclaimer for some of the European audience members listening to this on tape right when I mean fag I don't mean that they're a little like gay I mean it in the derogatory term just like Louis just like uh, Louis CK explained they're fags because they're well they're being faggy but uh anyway so these so these Antifa freaks they showed up in Berkeley and just like at the Milo riots in Berkeley they showed up started protesting in air quotes a couple of Trump supporters showed up just to talk with them and Basically, Antifa started a whole big fist fight. And say what you will about the Trump movement. I don't necessarily agree with everyone 
on the Trump team. But by and large, the one thing I don't like, the one thing I like, excuse me, or one of the things I like about, the, about this new conservative movement that's kind of spawned out of the Trump movement is you have a lot of, you have a lot of conservatives who in the past would back down from fights and just kind of run away and cower in fear and now with this new generation of conservatives you don't see you don't ever see Trump supporters or conservatives actively starting fights but when these Antifa people and these Antifa freaks attack us I see conservatives actually defending themselves now and yes some of these tussles do get violent but we have people who are filming these events and so you can clearly see in a lot of these videos that have been released over the weekend that the Trump people are just kind of standing there doing their thing and the Antifa people are the ones punching people and whatnot. Now, there's one other thing I want to get into about these riots before I get into my main topic, which is citizen journalism and activism. And I I promise I won't take up too much time with this. But it is worth mentioning. So, Mike Cernovich, who is a citizen journalist, basically provoked... Antifa in Texas by going up on stage in front of all these protesters and basically repeating the mantra during the 2016 election that Bill Clinton is a rapist, which he is if you've actually looked at what he did to Paula Jones or Juanita Roderick, yeah, he, he is he is a rapist and he's never been convicted, but you know, that's our left wing criminal justice system for you. Point being these left wingers started to attack him. I I believe some of them were Antifa, but not all of them. Um he got shoved, he got uh, beat up somewhat, and there were some conservatives on Twitter who, granted, don't like Mike in the first place, but they were saying that, that Mike brought this on himself by provoking them, and that basically he was at fault uh, for getting himself into this mess. And there are a couple of ways that I like to look at this. 
situation. One aspect that I like to look at is, okay, yeah, maybe maybe it was a bad idea for him to, to provoke him, and maybe that, you know, that certainly didn't help things. But then my other school of thought is, well, these anti-Trump protesters slash rioters probably would have beaten up anyway because he's Mike Cernovich and he kind of has a public presence and, you know, these guys know who he is. And the reason I, I bring this up the reason I bring uh, Mike Cernovich up is uh, because there are some conservatives on Twitter who are big Cernovich fans and who will hang on every word that he says and then there are other people on Twitter who absolutely hate his guts and criticize everything that he says and they think that he's just about promoting his own brand and whatnot. I'm not going to get into the details of that feud, but there is some controversy among conservative Twitter around Mike Cernovich. And I'd like to add my two cents. And lately I've been getting accused by people on both sides of being too neutral. Of, you know, not taking a side within the conservative movement. But just like with Tommy Loren... I'm going to also say that with Mike Cernovich, I've only read his writing on Medium, and I've only listened to his podcast a few times. I I do have a growing mindset on audiobook. Haven't started it yet. Um, I do plan on starting it after I finish the titles I've been working through on on Audible. But, you know, based on everything I've read and heard from him, he he seems pretty solid, and I understand some of the criticisms people have of him, that he's full of himself, that that's some of the perception that... um, some people have of him. I don't. I don't think he's full of himself. I just think he's confident. But like I said, I'm kind of with him in the same way I am with Tommy. I like some of what he says. I'm. I wouldn't really say I'm a fanboy. But point goes again. At the end of the day, he's on our side. He's fighting the same battle we are. He's fighting against the hard left. 
And so, honestly, I don't, I don't really care if you, if you like his whole mind, gorilla mindset deal or not. Because at the end of the day, he's on our side and I would stand by him, same as I would Milo or Lee Stranahan or, you know, Wayne Dupree or any of those guys. And the reason I bring up Lee Stranahan is I, I know that he and Mike have had some uh, disagreements. I actually do know Lee a little bit via Twitter. He he was actually one of my earliest followers, and I like Lee. But he, even Lee has said that, you know, all this infighting within conservatism is kind of stupid, that we need to band together to, to fight the left. And so, you know, people have asked me my opinion on the whole Cernovich thing, and you know, my my response that to that basically is, you know, I, I'm glad that Cernovich was out there, you know, in Austin, standing up to the anti-Trump crowd and calling them out for what they were and, and exposing them. Do I maybe agree with everything that he that he's done? No. I don't really disagree with it either. But, you know, he like I said, he's on our side, and I'm not going to be a sore loser and, you know, say that, oh, just because he doesn't play, you know, in the same style that I do, he should be banished. You know, that that's not the way this movement should work. And... For those of you who, you know, think that we can kind of divide, look at what happened, you know, during the election when we were all united behind Trump, when we all had a common goal to stop Hillary. Um, we won an election that was stacked against us by all the experts. And that's a pretty damn amazing thing. So for those who think that Antifa is going to be impossible to be or the hardcore left-wing media is, we're already winning that battle, folks. We just need to continue to stand together side by side and fight in each other's corner. It's as simple as that. Now, on to activism and citizen journalism. I've been in a couple of Facebook groups over the past couple of weeks, one in particular which I will not name. If you're part of that this group and you're listening to it, you know what I'm talking about. But if you're not, well, sucks for you. But Lately, a couple of us have been talking about mobilizing more conservative activists and getting out there on and getting on the ground to, you know, continue to promote 
Trump's America First agenda. And there have been a couple questions that I've received and that have kind of been discussed openly. One of which I want to cover with you here tonight because I think I can answer some questions or at least give some perspective on this topic. So one of the general kind of ideas with conservative activism and activism in general is that on the ground activism in person is kind of the best activism and that that's better as opposed to online kind of keyboard warrior stuff. And I I understand where this perspective comes from, and by all means, I certainly do think that, you know, having an in-person presence on the ground is very much effective and is a crucial part of getting your cause out there and making your voice heard. No doubt no doubt about it. However, I've I've had a couple people ask me and ask kind of openly in these forums or whatever you want to call them. Well, what if I'm in a position where I can't really go out onto the streets and you know, physically join a a rally. What then? And this is something I I myself have been pondering for a, a few weeks now and something I've been reflecting on and this is the part that many of you will want to listen to. Because I have some unique perspective on the topic of being an activist without physically being at rallies. And what I mean by that is this. A few months ago, I wrote an article in which I basically described how I've been wheelchair-bound my entire life, you know, pretty much since birth. And as difficult as certain parts of being disabled have been, I've also gained a new kind of a, a different and unique perspective on, on the on the world, right? I talked about in my article, which is up on Medium and up on my personal blog, I talked about how because I wasn't able to run around as a teenager and, you know, get drunk and get in trouble and just kind of float around endlessly like all my other peers did in high school, 
yeah, you know, I kind of had to sit back and watch all of that from afar. Um, I had a unique pers- perspective, and I started to look at the world, and I started to pay attention to politics and current events really seriously, and eventually I ended up doing, a, you know, starting a podcast, which is what this is, and it's given me a a whole new appreciation and perspective on really what the country and what the world is going through. The re- And the reason I bring that up is I've figured out pretty quickly and this is really the essence of my message if you don't hear anything else I say in this podcast, please hear this. Just because you might not be physically able to attend a rally or go out there on on the streets in March doesn't mean you can't be active in something, okay? Just because you might not be able to physically be out there doesn't mean doesn't mean that you don't have an excuse to not participate in your government and in making your voice heard. And this doesn't just apply to me as a disabled person. I hear a bunch of people who are able-bodied saying, well, I'm I'm too far away from this event, I can't make it, um, or, you know, I, I work on that day, or, you know, I, I'm, I'm too busy to actually go out there and, and protest, or, you know, whatever it may be, that they have to deal with, and, you know, that that's fine, People are busy. People have their own stuff, whatever it may be. I certainly understand the fact that you might not be able to actually go out there and, you know, go door to door, organize an event in person. But like I said, that's no excuse not to participate. So take me, for example. Right? If going to a going to an anti-trump rally as a conservative who is wheelchair bound might not be the best uh idea for me to do personally why because despite the fact that i'm in a in a an, an electric wheelchair and could probably run some of these antifa uh people over if i wanted to that still doesn't mean that i would be necessarily safe uh, for one I'm at a lower height and I'm, I'm sitting so that would certainly be dangerous the other thing is a lot of these uh, Antifa people like to pepper spray people and uh, as I guess a few months ago James Alsop can attest to um, they like to hit people with flagpoles too and whatnot. So, 
obviously showing up at a anti-Trump rally to face off against Antifa might not be the safest option for me. And, you know, real realistically, I would be more of a hindrance to my friends and allies on the ground than I would a help on the ground in, in those types of situations, right? And even... It, and even outside of confrontational, you know, situations, I can always be at rallies because of the distance or, you know, I might not be able to afford a plane ticket, whatever. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm disadvantaged in the sense that I can't always physically be at events, but I still participate in whatever way I can. And so what have I decided to do? As a conservative activist, well, I've decided to, you know, basically go into communications and distrib- distribution of information, right? I have a podcast and I have a blog and I've used them to distribute information and spread the cause of conservatism that way so one of the ways I spread information is obviously by by writing blog posts and making my commentary be visualized in print and then on the podcast end I, I make my voice be heard on the internet by this podcast and, and again sorry if I'm rambling a little bit I don't have a script in front of me but you know long story short I'm making my voice heard and that's important but what's also important is for my friends who do go to these events and who do have first hand uh, accounts one of the things I can do to help them in the field or afterwards is to maybe have them on my show to interview them to get information so that they can uh, spread their information to my audience who will then share with their friends, who will then share with their friends and family And it will just kind of go on. And so information distribution at the end of the day is really where I've chosen to set up shop. And that in and of itself is a form of activism. And then also, you can call the White House. You can call Congress. You can make your voice heard and you can film yourself doing those things as a record of your activism and posting online. Hey, I called this senator's office, I got a response, or no, I didn't get a response, and this person just told me to screw off, or whatever. So those are some examples of citizen journalism and and activism 
kind of from behind the scenes. And like I said, uh, those are just my perspectives on this topic. So I want to thank you very much for listening, and be sure to tune in next episode when hopefully I'm a little more organized, and uh, I will be having more guests soon, so stay tuned for that. Until then, uh, God bless, and God save this great nation, and uh, good work to my fellow Trump supporters this weekend, and let's stay in the fight and uh, remain positive. All right, folks, thanks for listening, and have a great day.